Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining this episode of the Love in the Mirror podcast. I'm Shannon Bowden, your host, and every week we dive in with a practitioner or myself or both around techniques and tools and strategies you can take into your very busy day, especially those of you who are caring for others, yet personally or professionally, so that your cup can be refueled stay that way. This is the Love in the Mirror podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Shannon Bodie, Director of Inner Peace Rising, LLC, and your host for the Love in the Mirror podcast. And it is my delight and pleasure to share this time with you and our guest today, health and wellness coach, Denise Keen. And Denise, I have experienced her work on many levels and appreciate her perspective so much. And what we're talking about today is ways that we can pair response when we're really trying to make some big changes in our life or when we're trying to make small changes in our life. How do we look at what a trigger is? How do we look at the reward we're used to getting? How do we change the response when we're shifting a habit in a way that makes sense and brings some of our hidden hidden patterns really to light? When we do that, we can make some changes and very purposefully reward ourselves differently and co-create with a new habit, that optimum response that we're looking for. And Denise has some really powerful ways to do that, particularly in working with breath and a few other things, of course, that we'll be talking about today. So if you are looking to change a habit, if you're looking to interrupt a cycle in any way, be that to increase a desired response or decrease something that's not serving you anymore, this hour, 45 minutes, is really going to be for you. So without further ado... Denise, I'd like to introduce you. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Shannon. I'm so happy to be here. And I want to commend you and congratulate you on the work you're doing and how you're getting this wonderful sharing of information and well-being out there to people. Just um, so proud of you because I know I worked with you before you started this and you're just going like full guns ahead. And I think it's amazing. You inspire me. Oh, thank you. It's one of those, that labor of love effort, you know, that I always say it's not coming from me, it's coming through me. And it's just time. It's it's so much fun to get together with like-minded, well-intended, beautiful healers and coaches like yourself to share what we know with people. And every episode, quite selfishly, I learn a lot and I get a lot from it. So um, so it's it's lovely and it's mutually beneficial for you and I today and for all of our listeners. So thank you. Thank you for that. And I'd love for you, I mean, we, we can always introduce each other with such thoughtful details, but you know, I'm curious what you would like to say about your experience uh, in your coaching practice and uh, the nature of the work that you do to orient folks. 
Oh, I'd be glad to. First of all, I grew up in a small town in Iowa and on a farm, very um, conservative area. And my oldest sister went away to Chicago when I was young. And she was very, very open-minded and curious and into the esoteric and healing. And this was in the 60s. So, you know, it was way ahead of the curve. But she would come home with men from India in turbans that would read our palms and, you know, people from South America. <laughs> we would do seances. And anyway, I was you know, brought up with an open mind. And I had a mentor that really opened doors for me. So that really kind of uh, started me early on uh, being interested in yoga. I found an old book on yoga, and that was before most people even knew what the word meant. So I grew up with that curiosity. Then I went to college and I studied chemical engineering, but I never really went ahead and did any work with that. I went from there to holistic healing school in Colorado. And that was an amazing school up in the mountains. It was a massage school, but they also worked with energy work and nutrition. And again, it was really cutting edge at that time in the 80s. And then since then, I've just voraciously devoured classes. I'm just a lifetime <laughs> learner. So things from meditation, martial arts, yoga, advanced body work and energy work trance dance, breath work, wellness coaching, and many, many other things. But when I discovered the breath work, Shannon, it really changed everything. It was as if mm. all the pieces of the pie kind of started to come together. I mean, I think it was around 40 or so when that happened. And then again, when I studied hypnotherapy and hypnobirthing, that became one of the most potent mm. tools. You know, Very. I'd be working with people before on their mind, and I'd been doing some energy work, but I mean, on the body, it was emphasis on the body. And so yeah. that emphasis was kind of on fixing people on taking care of them and repairing them and healing them. But I decided yeah. I wanted to switch to teaching people to change their mindsets so they could be mm -hmm. responsible for their own healing. And I yeah. also wanted to help them. I was always on a quest to learn ways to help them to lock in those mental and emotional changes. And then when I took Kate Stillman's course to be a yoga health coach, and that's where I met you, that was also a pivotal point, a big pivotal point. Because Ayurveda and habit evolution just made so much sense. And I began to see that relationship, that relationship with the rhythms of the universe and how to participate in life in a more cosmic sense. I just love that. It made me feel totally more in alignment, in harmony, body, mind, and spirit. Everything kind of working in the same direction instead of pieces of me being pulled here and there. Yes. Yeah. So now I find that my passion is to support people in... Oh, just being all that they can be in helping them to really access those unlimited possibilities for their health, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental, to be able to reach peak performance in all levels of their life, and to remember how to be a badass. Because recently, I've had an experience where I was inspired by that word a lot. And so it really means something to me when I say I'm a badass. It's like I'm claiming yes. my power and I'm igniting myself. So, yeah. So recently, I've, I've created a program called Awaken Your Light Body. And this is also a program that's for um, body image, learning to really love yourself. And it is for weight loss, but it would be good for anyone. And I, I kind of want to subtitle title it, Awaken Your body, Light Body and Be a Badass. <laughs> yes. It's, we get to come into, you and I have talked about this, that we get to come into our inner badass, that it's in all of us. We just, it's laying dormant, you know, or it's covered up. And I just love hearing the canon of incredible 
training and teaching that you relish. And I've experienced all of those from you. And it really speaks to why working with you is such a powerful, all levels of being that I can't even name, because as we know, words only go so far, that it's very, it's transformational. And it makes so much sense as now as to why, of course, knowing your background, that you tap into all of that when you're working with folks. And it's just a delight too. Thank you, Shannon. And I mean, where there are so many ways that you and I could, I, I always, any guest I have on, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm curious. I want to ask you about every layer of your training. But our, our focus today is this, this idea of a trigger response reward cycle, right? And it, it's coming up a lot in uh, some very cool, fun habit science with James Clear and Atomic Habits. It came up a lot in our work with Kate Stillman in the Body Thrive program. And I found that pairing to be very powerful in my own change, especially over the last year. And I'm wondering if you could speak to that cycle, how you approach it. How do you make sense of this for yourself, for your clients? And of course, how you use the breath, your most powerful favorite tool. In the toolbox. Yes. It's my best friend, my breath. <laughs> well, there are several ways I look at trigger habit response because I also have some training in NLP and we use it a little bit differently than the way Kate taught it. So um, one of the ways that we can use it is uh, triggers can be discussed as imprinting new triggers in your life to create and support the, the behaviors and outcomes that you're looking for. And so for instance, that that would be um, an example of that would be to maybe put your exercise shoes out so that when you wake up in the morning, you see them right away, you put them on right away, you start the day with a yes, with a, you know, a positive motion, and then you just follow through with going to the gym or doing your exercise. Or you can do it by having your yoga mat there in the morning and your clothes out and everything. And then you just also could do that by connecting to another action that you're already doing to a habit that's pre-existing. For instance, if you are brushing your teeth to maybe as soon as you get that toothbrush in your hand, take 10 deep full breaths and just relax your body. And then possibly during those, the time you're brushing your teeth, you could do some plies or some squats. So that's another way to instill a new habit by stacking it on top of another habit that's already an automated habit. Because those new habits that we're wanting, we also want to get them automated over time. I think it was Brendan Burchard who says that to have goals without creating new habits is like having a beautiful new car with no wheels. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> it's a perfect description. I love yeah. him too. And yeah. It is. We just need, we have to create some scaffolding to get there. We can't just visualize, right? There's concrete divine right action to get us there. And so I love the stacking for that purpose. <laughs> yeah. oh, Another thing great. he talked about that he called triggering, and I would call this maybe more anchoring, but no matter what it is, it's called the door jam habit. So he suggested every time you walk through a certain door, you say maybe three words or a phrase to yourself. For instance, if you come home from work and you see the door jam, you open the door, you walk through and you say, I release everything. You know, you let go of everything for the day. And you just can't, you just feel that in your body, kind of like imagine yourself doing that. And it's like, ah, and your whole body chemistry changes, your whole state of mind, your whole state changes. And of course, you could use that in so many creative ways. I mean, I was thinking that I might just start having some sort of trigger every time I go through any doorway, you know, into the bathroom, into the bedroom, whatever, and just 
be a trigger to take a deep breath or to think a pleasant thought or something like that. But whatever, that's one another way. But the one that Kate teaches and the yoga health coaching is something that was invented by Charles Duhigg. Duhigg, it's D-U-H-I-G-G. And he made habits famous with his bestseller called The Power of Habit. So he, this is really, really good. He identifies these core elements that make up a habit loop. And the three core elements are a specific trigger or cue. Now these triggers are cues. There are five of them. One is location. One is time. One is emotional state, one is other people, and one is an immediately preceding action. So I'll give you an example of this. The other day I came home and I'd been out for a while. I was kind of tired and I noticed, I was just very self-aware when I came in my front door that my mind immediately went to what can I eat? What sort of comfort food can I get out and then go and sit on the couch and watch Netflix? Or I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yes. or I'll admit it, I was going to watch The Bachelor. <laughs> there is no shame on this podcast, Denise. No shame. Good. Thank you very Not much. At all. Well, you can be a badass and still watch the bachelor. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So the cues for that, remember the cues are location, time, mm -hmm. emotional state, other people, and immediately preceding action. So I think for me it was location. It was coming in that front door. But it was also kind of immediately preceding action because I'd been coming from my car, you know, getting to the front door. And then there was, I, I was just so aware of it. It was really interesting. And I could feel this energy in me that that was like, I could almost feel the habit or the, the uh, impulse to do these things. And I, it wasn't a really a great feeling though, even though I could feel the energy of it, it was kind of a heavy, dense energy. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, you yeah. know, it was just interesting to really be able to observe that. So I encourage everyone to just really get to know yourself, you know, start to mm -hmm. really monitor your thoughts and your energy and your body. So I decided instead to do something else, to break that habit, mm. to start to form new neurological connections. And yeah. so what I chose, because it was just something I wanted to do immediately, since I had recognized this, and I just sat down on my chair and I put my timer on, I just meditated for three minutes. I just had completely ah. quiet time. And I noticed how good it felt to use that as a way to unwind. Mm. And I meditate a lot. So it's a pleasurable experience for me too. So that was my also my reward at the same time. So you can experiment with different rewards. So there's the routine or the action, and you, the trigger precedes it. And then you have a reward or something that satisfies an urge. So it's really and about that it's truly rewarding for you. Yeah. You chose meditation because it's rewarding for you. If someone's trying to anchor a new habit in meditation, that might be they might choose something different, right? But I yeah, uh -huh. you tuned in and chose what felt truly rewarding for you as a replacement or a substitution for a while for that comfort eating, grab the remote for Netflix. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, and we that. can figure out what's the best yeah. reward for us. And they can change over mm -hmm. time. Because at first you might need something more like a cookie. You know, even if you're not trying to eat Absolutely. a lot of sweets, it might be like, that's really a reward to you. What really yes. feels like a reward to you? What may, you know, really makes your heart sing? That's what yes. we're looking for. Well, and I, this approach is so beautiful because even as you were describing to the installation of these, you know, of new triggers, right? The doorstop habit. These are all cues for presence. Like, gosh, what if every time I walked through a doorway, I was aware 
I, w- I just wasn't thinking of what I was doing next or listing in my head or uh, putting myself ahead in the future, even by a few minutes. And the other piece that I appreciate so much about this as a practice is that we're sometimes used to triggers being a negative thing right? Oh, this is a trigger that reminds me of something sad, fearful, awful. It's going to send me into that fight, flight, or freeze response. And these are, oh, how empowering to take on that internal locus of control that our own inner badass voice to use that again. We'll use it a lot today. And oh, I can pick a trigger. I can create something that's already in my routine and I'm empowered to do with it what I want. Yeah, it is very empowering when you start thinking this way and realizing all the tools you have. And and it's, they're not even outside tools, you learn them, and then they are inside of you. And you become more and more connected to your subconscious mind and to the energy in your body. And then it really can be very, very exciting and energizing. Well, and you share too in your example, that that automated habit for you that you may have thought was a reward actually felt heavy when you tuned into it. I love that you described it that way. That just even a pause. So maybe someone who is starting this process for themselves when I when I work with clients around that too, like it might not mean changing the habit right away, but just notice how it feels. Right? Does the reward of of grabbing the cookies and sitting on the couch feel uplifting and nurturing or nourishing? Or does it feel heavy or just routine or because you can't think of something else to do to relax. You know, so like just tuning into the energy of it, as you did in your example, can make a big difference to as a place to start. So yeah, I definitely. Really appreciate that. And then of and course, um, I don't know if you've introduced your listeners to kaizenine, but then kaizenine is just changing 1% at a time so that you don't get overwhelmed and you don't disappoint yourself. You don't fail. You can't really fail when you're only changing 1%. So if you still want to get the cookies out, you eat one less that day, maybe, <laughs> you know, even things like that. Yes. You just begin, just begin. And that's a win. Yes. Small moves that we know we can say yes to, right? That absolutely, that's the Kaizen approach. And thank you for bringing it up. I need reminders of that every day. <laughs> I just love well, that are word. Are you or? <laughs> yeah. I do too. Are you doing the Kaizen approach or are you trying to go all or nothing? Yeah. Are you, you know, and, oh, so true. Yeah. Well, and with regard to that, and maybe it was through Kaizen at first for you, maybe it was a bigger, a bigger response. How has the breath had such a powerful impact on your healing. You describe it as your best friend. Can you share some of how that became such a powerful, positive trigger installation for your own practice and how you lead others with it? Yeah, it's been the greatest gift and teacher in my life. And I was always fascinated by it because I had studied martial arts and yoga, and I also studied classical voice. So the breath was always there, you know, especially in the classical voice. And I had a teacher who was an amazing teacher and she was really a very spiritual person so the breath was just there and I remember getting high from that deep breathing just really going into altered states of consciousness especially when you're singing high notes and you're really opening up all your sinuses so I was fascinated and then when I moved back to La Crosse I was living in the Virgin Islands and I moved back to La Crosse and there was a breath workshop so I went to it (laughs) and it was actually um, pretty interesting because the woman who was teaching it this was transformation breathing, which I eventually became accredited in teaching. She was actually a Marine and had just gotten out of the Marines. So she ran this day like she was a Marine drill sergeant. So all of us were lying on the ground doing this deep breathing and transformational breathing is just very open breathing with your mouth open. It's just, 
And if you do this for hours, you're going to have a lot of old emotions come up. You're going to have a lot of detoxifying going on. But this woman was merciless. She was ruthless. <laughs> and luckily, it was a group of healers. We were all pretty open-minded, you know, self-sufficient people. Nobody was going to freak out. But yeah, it was funny. Uh, actually, we were at a in an apartment building in one of the community rooms, and some of the people were peeking in the door going, we better call the manager. Because what, what happened? After, well, after a while, because she just kept coming around and pushing on our bellies and say, breathe, breathe. Wow. <laughs> it's really funny. A, to a think little that. ironic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then because she and her husband were fasting that day, she also said we could have no lunch. So we just had water throughout the day. And boy, people started releasing. People were pounding on the floor and screaming and crying like babies. It was wild. (laughs) And I loved it. So you I loved did, it. You I were did, ready for that. You yeah, there's a little bit intensity. of a badass warrior in there, you know. <laughs> and that's what it woke up in me. And it was wonderful. So when I came home that night, though, I had a horrible headache. And, and I had already been trained quite a bit in the healing arts. And I knew that it was a detoxification. So I took a bath and used essential oils and and things like that. So I felt better. But for the next few weeks, I felt so empowered, so free, so juicy, so alive Mm -hmm. that I was hooked on breath. So I got trained in this method. And, you know, it was extensive training. I traveled around to have got certified. And then I came back and I was working on clients. I was doing primarily massage therapy at that time. And I was working with clients that were referred by a um, psychiatrist who was working with uh, women that were survivors of abuse, many times early childhood abuse. So in in this breath work, the way this particular woman taught it, I found out later that the Institute itself really taught differently than what this woman did. But uh, I was concerned that what they kept encouraging us to do was to just jump off the cliff, just do it, just push through. And I said, I don't think I can do that to these women. You know, I don't think I can push them. You know, this has to be a gentler approach. So another friend of mine who had studied this found a man. She scouted him out. He was from Massachusetts. His name is Andy Caponegro. And he had a different type of breath work. He's written an amazing book, and we'll include this information in the afternotes. It's called The Miracle of the Breath. And Andy was a very interesting man from, um, he wasn't directly from Sicily. He was second generation, and he was kind of a Sicilian shaman. But he had also studied physics, and he was a, a classical guitar teacher, very interesting, complex man. And he had started noticing the breath when he was teaching guitar to his students, noticing when they were breathing and when they weren't. And he had that background in physics, so he's very observant. So he was really noticing the ones that he worked with the breath that they really just did so much better in his lessons. So at one point, one of the sets of parents came to him and they said, well, could you help our other son? He has cerebral palsy. And Andy said, well, I'm a guitar teacher. And they said, no, but just with the breath, you have helped our Mm. son so much. It's changed his personality. He's happier. So Andy consented to do that. And that's when he started on the healing journey. And he always had a lot of direct information coming from him to him from deep meditation. He also ended up eventually studying with a guru in India and following her. Mm. So he came up with these exquisite techniques for opening the breath and and, um, monitoring the breath and techniques for uh, releasing 
emotions and then for slowing it down if it came to be too much he really had an aversion to doing all that wide open breathing he was concerned that it could cause a psychotic break in people and it really is too intense to do unless it's in a very protected environment and people are filtered out so so I studied with him for years and became one of the few people certified by him to do his work but just in general the breath is just so important it's the only thing that uses the conscious and the unconscious mind. So it's kind of like a bridge between the worlds. Yeah, and it can be used as a tool to change patterns. I know it's so beautiful. I, I mean, obviously my voice lights up when I talk about it, but you can use it to change patterns and habits that are in your subconscious mind, which, you know, with the hypnotherapy that I do, I mix the two of them together now. But it also uses two sets of muscles. This is really interesting, the voluntary and the involuntary. So imbalances, or I mean the nerves, not muscles so much. In the involuntary system, that's where there are many imbalances and that's often the cause of chronic disease. So within that involuntary system, we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic kind of revs things up and the parasympathetic is the calming part. And we really want to have balance. Lots of times we have too much tone, too much tightness in our sympathetic nervous system. And that's stress and trauma, high blood pressure, circulatory and digestive systems. So breathing, just breathing for relaxation is the most effective and cost effective and powerful thing out there. It balances the vagus nerve. But uh, I think I was listening to Dr. Andrew um, Weil, and he was talking about how it's really not respected very well in the medical establishment because it's simply too simple. But integrative medicine, really, it's just it. like, oh, but no, that couldn't be. all the time. <laughs> no drugs, no complications. <laughs> what? This tool yeah. that's with us all the time? I don't yeah. understand. What, and it's what? free. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we don't need a prescription. We just get to breathe. Yes, yes. exactly. And, and, and so, okay, so integrative medicine, of course, is starting to use it more. And it, But it's being used all over, like Navy SEALs and really highly trained professional athletes use it. Shamans, of course, I've studied a lot of shamanism, too, along the way. They use the breath to stimulate that cascade of DMT from the pineal gland, and that's what causes the altered healing states. So it can be used to do that. And this is what I love. Um, every emotion has a corresponding breath pattern. And that's where Andy was really a, a breath master. He could come in to a room and be watching somebody's breath patterns. And he could tell you what their emotional state was, even what their physiological state was. I mean, he was just amazing. I, I can do that to some extent, but he was the master of that. And it just amazed me. One time I, came, I was having problems and he came in and, and he was across the room from me and he just started, you know, he kind of does some breathing. You, the way I clear and the way he cleared, you actually do it with your breath when you're working with a client. So you start to clear their breath with your breath. So he, from way across the room, is doing, you know, and I could feel this reacting in my body. So, you know, he was really something. He's not around anymore, but he was a fantastic man and an amazing teacher. And I find those teachers, those teachers that are so powerful, like the, he mirrored that wisdom in you. I really believe that, that just woke up, you know, that teaching that he brought. You were seeking, it sounds like an, a, a delivery system of equanimity for the breath. He brought up some beautiful points about um, 
that breath work, while very powerful, because it is powerful, needs to be paced in the hands of each person, right? At the pace that feels safe for us, mm-hmm. and depending on what trauma is there. So when we're doing deep work, especially if you know you're doing it for trauma release, it's more of a, a caveat, I think, for folks too, not to be afraid of the power of the breath, but just to be aware that it can be very powerful. And so pacing and listening to you know one's intuition like you did, you had a powerful experience that you were really ready for you know, in that first workshop. Uh, but then you also found the teacher that helped you teach in this lovely balanced way for clients on all ends of the spectrum, right? And yes. uh, that's that's really fantastic You that you drew him into your, into your sphere, into your experience. Yeah. He, he was a very interesting man. <laughs> Talk about complex. And I worked with him for so many years and learned so much, but he was also a little bit crotchety sometimes <laughs> so we, as we can be oh absolutely. yes yeah. yeah yeah but he well, also taught that the breath is alive that it's really linking your to, to your soul to your source it's so much more than the oxygenation and the changes in your body but on the other hand oxygenating your blood and catalyzing proper blood chemistry is really kind of the holy grail of yoga too so like in kundalini yoga, it has a lot of pranayama techniques. And for those of you that don't know, pranayama means breath control or breath work. And many of them are designed specifically to balance the blood chemistry because that's a key health component. And that's pretty important. <laughs> it's so important. And I love it because some of the times when I'm practicing these techniques, I forget what their end route physiology goals are. And I usually go with, what's the desired emotional state? You said something so lovely. And I just get to experience then. Oh, gosh, this feels fantastic. I feel better. <laughs> Great. Um, but you met, you mentioned something about that every breath pattern has a corresponding emotional state. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering, and this might be getting into our next, my next question a little bit, you know, how do you use the breath to trigger the experience that you want, you know, for that cue, that new cue or new trigger for a different outlook? Like if you want to feel more calm or if you want to feel more joyful, that, you know, are these sor- sort of where you could start to trigger your own emotional experience from the breath first? Could you uh-huh. talk about that a little bit? Yes, of course. Um, first of all, I just become aware of my breath. You know, I am very aware of my breath. And so just taking conscious breaths, just every time you think of it, to take a conscious breath, every time you think of the breath, and now that we've talked about it, believe me, I absolutely guarantee that you will think of it more often because your subconscious mind is recognizing this and your breath loves to be recognized. So if you start paying a little bit of attention to your breath, it, it will reward you exponentially. So just being conscious of your breath. So every time you think, am I breathing? Notice that you're probably not. Either you're not or you're just breathing enough to stay alive. Well, I want you to have more than being merely alive. You know, Shannon and I want you to be a badass. So (laughs) just be aware of your breath. Take a nice deep breath. Take several breaths. And you could begin your day by maybe waking up and taking several conscious breaths. Do it before you go to sleep. Take some training. You can use it as a, as a habit interrupter. And I can and tell you uh, a good breath right now, a very simple breathing pattern that you can use. And this is called the level breath. And part of that is because the word level is a palindrome. It reads the same backwards and forwards. You know, we had a palindrome the other day with 2-2-2020. 
And so this kind of uh, corresponds to the equalizing codes of this technique, which you just spoke of, the equanimity within the breath. I love that word, equanimity. <laughs> and also because this technique has the ability to both level and balance and to be kind of a shape-shifting door into other levels of reality. So I love that title. So here's how it goes. And as always with any breathing technique, it's best if you're sitting up straight, if your spine is straight and you're in a good posture. And if you can't sit cross-legged, you can just sit on a chair or a couch. So you would just inhale to the count of four. Hold for four. Exhale for the count of four. And then hold for the count of four. And I'd repeat this level breath one to four times or more if you want, but do it a few times and then stop and breathe normally for a little bit. And then when you stop and breathe normally, just rest in that stillness. Just be in that stillness, that beautiful spaciousness. And you can at this point use your mind to focus on your higher imagination, to connect with your higher self. You can go into your heart if you like and just be with your heart. Um, one of the more advanced techniques Andy used to teach was actually to um, begin to synchronize your heart and your breath. Mm. And when that happens, there's a really amazing synchronization that goes on through all of your bodies, your energy bodies, emotional, physical, spiritual, and physical. So just do that for a bit. And then you could always go back and do another whole round of that. In for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, start over, rest mm -hmm. in between, be in the stillness. So even if you have time to only do one cycle, you know, say you're driving and you yeah. find yourself being upset, you just, just putting that emphasis on the breath and putting a structure on it starts to bring you into a totally different state of being. So that's a really lovely, easy breath to learn. Lovely. And it's it, like if you forget, you just count the same amount every time. That's I love uh -huh. that one. Yeah. You know, easy. whatever your count is, that is. That's lovely. Yeah. How and thank you for leading us through that because sure. it's so simple, but it's so nice to be led. Right. Uh -huh. Just remember that four counts at the pace that works for you you know, whenever you're ready. And, and just to really make it clear for folks, say somebody's trying to get unstuck about something. They know any client I work with, including myself, you know, it's like, gosh, I know what I need to do. I just don't do it. Right. If it's a pattern they're trying to change, or if it's, you know, a relationship state or a mindset or, you know, an emotional experience they want more of. But how do you use this breath? Say particularly this one, the level, the level breath, to kickstart that new habit, especially when it comes to that trigger response reward cycle. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of a particular instance, but I would just say if you're feeling upset about something, if, if maybe there's um, uh, a person who triggers you or maybe there's a circumstance or, or something that somebody says and you're going, oh, that just really bugs me when they say that. <laughs> or, you know, maybe it's something more important in your life where you've had a disagreement with your loved one or something. Then I think, first of all, just putting your attention on your breath and being aware that this is a trigger. 
this is a trigger and and you can if you want to briefly go through is it the person that's triggering it is it the place the time and then just close your eyes and take a deep breath if you're in a place when you can and just go in for four breathe in for four hold for four exhale for four and hold for four now you may be in a place where you don't have a lot of time or privacy so you can just feel then how do I feel where is that trigger now how does that trigger feel have we neutralized it a little bit and you can tell in my voice when I just do that little breathing I can tell that my voice softens I can feel that my body softens and then again, depending on where you are, if you have time to go into that exercise a little bit more, continue with that. And otherwise, just go back into life. But knowing that you have this kind of inner connectedness now, you're really connecting with your subconscious mind and your higher consciousness. And just by doing that connection, by making that commitment to the breath, this is why I say the breath is my best friend, because it will yeah. support you. The breath is alive. It's your soul. It's your connection to your soul. It's always so here. I, Yes. Pardon? It's, it's always here with us when, yes. when others aren't. It never leaves us behind. Mm -hmm. right? I love that. And when you are with your breath, you are in the present moment too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So mm -hmm. it's just, I, I mean, I will go into meditation if I have an issue, a problem. I'll go into meditation and ask my breath, what's the answer? And then I'll just sit and breathe. And it doesn't even have to be deep meditation. It's just meditation on the breath in the sense that you might have two minutes to do it. And you really begin to trust it more and more. And that's the issue. You know, I work with many people that are ill, you know, many different people, but sometimes they have major health problems. And so sometimes they don't trust their body because their body has betrayed them. And I went through that myself. I was very ill a few years ago. And that's why I became more heavily involved in the breath work again, too, because I just... I had a blood disorder, a form of, vas well, not blood really, but vasculitis, an autoimmune disease that almost killed me and, and put me on my back for two years. So I then started doing some breath work. I always have breathed, you know, I'll think about it through the day, but I started doing more formal breath work again after that. And I can't believe that in, in one particular supplement, some nutritional stuff that I'm doing took me past the level of being pretty good at, in recovery and feeling like, well, I can walk, I can talk. Um, I can do most everything, and it took me to a place where I'm really starting to thrive now. And I really attribute a lot of that to the breath. That's why this passion has been reawakened in me, too. So I trust my breath. I love my breath. I know that it's filled with love and wisdom and all the information we could want because it's our connection to source. Which is so beautiful, too. I love how you frame this because when we are triggered, not a trigger of our choosing, right, it can be so common to feel alone to feel like we're the only ones, like to go into that feeling of isolation. This never happens to anybody else. We forget and we forget that we're not alone. So no matter what our belief system is in a higher power or guidance that like that, the breath is here, is here for you. And for you, it's your best friend. It's your guide. It's your conduit for what you need in healing energy. And so I just love that regardless of what, you know, listeners, you know, belief systems are that if we can have that reflection, that breath, you can lean into it. It's here for you. I mean, that's kind of one of my takeaways is, oh, it's been a really busy day. There's a lot going on. I have about six different hats on today, you know, just in the course of a day, of a work day and a family day and navigating the highs and lows that come up that we choose and don't choose. And like, oh, wait, 
relax back into your breath. She's here for you. Oh, like that's my takeaway from. Yeah. Isn't that a relief? Your relationship uh-huh. with your breath. Like look at her. She's best friends with her breath. Yeah. Oh, I, I could do this. I could do this. And and that you heal, that you also, and I thank you for sharing a little bit about your own healing journey because it's very, anybody that I have on the show, we talk a lot about, you know, these techniques and what works and anyone who has come on uh, and that really comes from this rich, deep spirit of humility, you are promoting something that you desperately needed. And I'm so glad that your breath was there for you and that you found that tool again, because your work is not done in the world yet, my friend. Like you have, you have a lot to do and thrive in. And so I'm so glad that you rediscovered really that, that tool to, to heal and to get stronger. And, and I'm wondering, you know, we've talked a lot about your badassness, your best potential, you know, really discovering what's in our highest interest. And we've talked about it, you know, in the 1% approach, how have you seen tapping into that full potential through your own healing journey in any way that you want to share here? Well, I feel that I was very lucky that I got ill when I had already done so much personal self-discovery work and uh, so much studying of healing because it was a sudden onslaught of uh, an autoimmune disease that I, for a few months I was feeling very achy. And then one day I got extremely dizzy, just terribly dizzy. I ended up, uh, long story short, went into the hospital, was taken in. They told me they thought it might be this rare autoimmune disease. And after 10 days, they decided it was. And then um, they started me on massive doses of prednisone. And that night I started, my lungs started bleeding. So they had to just take me, you know, rush me into ICU and be intubated. And at that point, you know, I was there for about five days. And then I was in a hospital, hospital another two weeks or so. But they called my whole family and everything. And so I was there, I was conscious, but on the other hand, I was really out of my body for a long time. And I remember even, I mean, I, could, I couldn't talk because I was intubated and I was upset. I was irritated that why would they call everybody here from around the country and I can't talk? But of course they had a different perception. Um, so then when I was able to talk again, I, I just realized that I was really gone for a while. I mean, I didn't quite have a near-death experience, but I was kind of floating. Part of me was out of my body for a long time. And I remember even making that connection and saying, well, maybe I should say it's okay if I have to go now. So I did. And I was kind of hoping that I'd see the long aisle of light, you know, and then I could come back and write a book about it and make a million dollars. Yes, yes, a little bit. But as I was recovering, I always had faith, you know, and I always, I always remembered even then because I couldn't breathe and I was on oxygen and everything for a while afterwards. And, you know, it was really stifling of course and terrifying but I was always very brave through it I think because I always just knew I'd be okay and if I wasn't then that would be okay too but I did give thanks for the breath and and there was quiet time with the breath where I go okay I can't breathe very much right now but just stay with me you know so I had that trust and I know you said earlier that it's something that you could lean into but I'd like to um, put out the possibility that you could fall back into it because that's how I feel about it. It's like a trust fall. Have you ever seen oh, those? You have all yes. these people lined up behind you, you and then fall. you have to let go and fall. And that's yes. how, you know, I feel like you can just fall into it and it'll hold you, you know, like a, a beautiful um, pastel cloud that just kind of surrounds you. So I was able to rely on that a lot. 
even though I couldn't breathe very well and I couldn't talk. I mean, I, I remember when they took the tube out and I was talking like this. <laughs> I said, yes. oh, I sound like Miley Cyrus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, that's not the inner badass you thought was going to come out. Through the <laughs> no, she's kind of a badass, but not, not really me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Ooh. yeah. And then as, and I was afraid I was never going to be able to sing again because, you know, I'm kind of have forgotten all this stuff. I put it in the past and now, even though it was only a few years ago, I, talking about it, I remember that I, I had to kind of whisper for a long time and I thought, well, I'll never be able to sing again. And then I did start singing and it was actually good therapy for me, but you know, I had months and months of vestibular therapy because I was so dizzy and I, I couldn't walk or anything, but the breath was there for me. And then as I started recovering more, I started doing more formal breathing again. I even signed up for a little online course or I'd go to YouTube so I could be directed through it because even though I love doing it myself and I know a lot about it, I love to have a directed session or, or a group session. There isn't anyone around here who offers them, but those are great too. So maybe you could find one locally. I could help you to see if there's anyone out there that I'd recommend. So yeah, it was always there for me. And I do feel it's a major part of my life. Um, I love to teach people to do it because sometimes, I, and now when I do private sessions with people, it's a mixture of breath and hypnotherapy and NLP and everything that I do. But so many times people are just blown away by it. By just that was just my breath, because <laughs> it brings up your emotions. It can heal your emotions. It, it's vitalizing your cell functions, your mitochondria. It just does everything. Hormones are balanced. You get the serotonin and the dopamine and the tryptamine going through your system. So it's just, and it really releases old stagnant energy. You know, when I feel I need it, I'll share this with you. Um, sometimes I'm going through difficult times and just rebuilding my business recently. Sometimes that's been stressful and I'll just get this kind of heavy feeling in my body and I'll feel kind of uh, just down and uh, maybe a little bit like a dense energy is in me. And I'm self-aware enough that I don't get to a state of hopelessness or depression, but I'll just feel like, oh, I can just feel that heaviness. And then I will just actually do some breath work and it's it works magically I just lie down on the floor and I breathe for 20 minutes uh, consciously and it it works every time sometimes I will start to have emotions come up and I'll just put a pillow over my head because I live in an apartment building right now <laughs> and scream oh, yeah. and pound my found my fists on the floor because Let because I'm out. really uh, yeah I'm really good at doing that because I've done it so much myself that I can just feel those emotions come I know just how to release them that's a little sometimes takes a little learning to learn how to do that effectively but uh, afterwards I'll feel 20 pounds lighter I will feel as if there's white light streaming around me so mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing and just sweet examples of that you know when we start to let the emotion come when there's time right when there's time and I you've shared such great ways to address things and that maybe it's in the course of a day or when you do have a little more time to let the emotion come up and out and I heard you know Tara Barak say once several times actually that you know, neurologically it takes what a minute and 30 seconds for the spike of an emotion to run its course and the rest of the time is because our dear, sweet cerebral cortex is replaying it, right? And maybe replaying uh -huh. some of the other things that come up. But it's like if we if we know we have space and feel safe to ride out the spike of sadness or the peak, right, you know, of whatever that intensity is and then hug yourself with the breath as you do and fall back into it. I love that. That's my next favorite thing this week. I'm going to fall back into the breath whenever I can. 
of, oh, then it's here. The breath is going to catch me. It's going to help. If I need to sob for a few minutes, if I need to scream into my pillow, then, you know, that's one of the things I talk about with my daughter a lot. Like, is it a scream into our pillow day after school? Okay. We got this, you know, we got this. It's allowed. But yeah, that there's, that there's space and that you, that it's such a divine, I find intelligence uh, that all these things get regulated and you just help me remember. Thank you. So, so much of this, that it's going to kick me back into my breath practice more. I can tell it's part of why I had to talk to you today. So I'm curious as we start to wrap up our time, Denise, what else you want to make sure listeners walk away with? If it's an offering that you have, if it's, you know, tips for, you know, shifting a habit, tips for starting breath or deepening their breath work, anything that you feel is relevant that I didn't get a chance to touch on with you. Well, one thing did spring into my mind when you mentioned Tara Brock, uh, and and I don't know where this came from, but it's a teaching point that I use all the time because it was so significant when I heard it. And that is that dolphins, these beautiful dolphins, uh, you know, if you've ever had an opportunity to swim with them, it's just an amazing experience. But dolphins only feel their emotions for 10 seconds. Like they feel, you know, I, I find it hard to, the scientist in me goes, well, how did they measure that? But the point is, what what if it's true? You know, so they feel their emotions. So imagine you're a dolphin. So you feel anger. Let yourself totally feel it for 10 seconds. Let it pass through. There's nothing wrong with anger. Anger is is just, um, it's really something that there's injustice around. So it's the opposite side of the coin of being a just person, a fair person. But when you realize there's nothing wrong with anger, it's just when you hold it inside and you don't have to express it in an inappropriate way. Just feel it. Feel the anger. When grief comes through, feel it. Let it just flow through your body like a waterfall of grief. And if you can really learn to allow yourself to to do that, then the grief is gone. I mean, you still have the fond memories, but it does not stick in your body. It does not change your physiology and your hormones. So that's one of the most important things um, is to just be aware of your emotions and then realize that they're all really good emotions. There is no bad emotion. They're all pure energy. They're all aliveness. Yes, it's just energy. And yeah. And you can use the breath to facilitate that also to support yourself in doing that. Like, oh, you know, maybe it's road rage is coming upon you and you just go, I'm just going to feel that rage and I'm going to breathe. And it'll just reset you yes. like that. It does. <laughs> so you'll become you more and more aware. You have to run from the intensity of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because oh. that's it. We were afraid of our anger. You know, many people, women in our society yeah. in particular, I think it's a common thing. So yeah, the only thing, the other thing I want to share is that I would be just thrilled to consult with any one of you. My information will be on the page and you can always have a free consultation with me to see if there's anything we'd like to work on together or any other information or guidance I can provide for you. I'd be glad to do that. I want to mention also that I I do all sorts of work with people (laughs) for all sorts of issues, Mm -hmm. but uh, I have created this new program and I'm just going to make it a beta program in the beginning. It's called Awaken Your Light Body. And that is going to be specifically for people that want to lose weight, but really it's working with the underlying issues around weight loss. So we'll be working a lot with with shame, with trust issues, with um, body dysmorphia, with um, just learning to love yourself more. 
So I'm really excited about that and I'm just in the process of creating it. So I'm looking for a few people that would work with me on that. So if you're interested in something like that too, just please get in touch. Um, I think Shannon will put the books that we mentioned. She'll get that information out to you and I highly recommend Andy's book as well as any of the habit books that we talked about. And I think that is it. Thank you so much, Shannon. It's really been a fun experience and I, I'm, you know, just say hello to everybody and thank you for your attention and uh, just love being on this journey with all of you. Denise, thank you for the bottom of my heart just for sharing your wisdom. And I can speak from my own experience You in working with you. I received such healing permission and space for the goals I was working around with some reducing patterns and some coping patterns that, oh my gosh, this group just sounds phenomenal too, the Awaken Your Light Body. And I want to put that out there. This will also be in the notes, but you can email Denise at Denise at KeenanWellness.com and her website is keenanwellness.com. Pretty simple. So look in the show notes for that. And Denise, I thank you so much. The takeaways that I hope people come, you know, come away from with this, whether or not you choose this breath, this powerful cord to our inner intelligence as your new habit starter, just know that you know, we can select our triggers. We can select a different way of being and start to habit stack uh, new ways of being that add up to very profound experiences in any way that you can really envision. So Denise, I thank you so much for sharing your incredible, deep and beautiful wisdom with us and your journey and how powerful it's been as testimony to the breath as teacher and best friend. And uh, I'm excited to see what's next for you in the next badass chapter of your practice, your life. And I thank you for being on the hour with me today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you, dear listeners, for being with us on this episode of the Love in the Mirror podcast. I also want to invite you to innerpeacerising.com and the Love in the Mirror course. There are many options for the calendar this year in 2020 to dig deeper into your own personal acceptance, refill your own cup, love yourself more, and quite frankly, find more satisfaction in any of those troubling relationships these days. You can choose the nature of relationship that works best for you to work with now in our live online course with a huge community of support. For more information, email me at shannon at innerpeacerising.com. Until next time, this is the Love in the Mirror podcast. I'm Shannon Bodie, and thank you for being with us. Let's keep remembering we can tap in to that pulse, to that peace that's right here within us and support each other in the process. Have a great day, everyone.